When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Stevenson, and today I talk to Cassie Morris from Hamilton Stud Horse Finance. She's going to talk about ways you can finance buying a horse, so no longer do we need to spend months and months saving up. She's got the solution. This is Horse Hour. We're welcoming back another guest, Cassie Morris. She's been with us before and Cassie owns Hamilton Stud. And I asked Cassie to come back onto the Horse Hour podcast because she's got a whole new venture, which is going to make our lives much easier when it comes to buying a horse. Cassie, how are you? Not too bad, Amy. How are you? I'm good. I'm really well, thank you. Mega excited to hear your news. Tell me what you've done. You've got a new company that provides horse finance. That's correct, yes. And as the founder and chairman of Hamilton Stud, there's a lot of aspects I oversee. So let me hand you over to Stan Ratcliffe, who is my senior consultant, who handles the day-to-day operations. Oh, hey, Stan. How are you? Good morning, Amy. Well, I'm exceedingly well and pleased to hear that you're so uh, mega. Um, (laughs) Hamilton Hamilton Stud Finance, something absolutely brand new to the UK market, although this type of operation is quite common in America. We're not aware that anybody has actually done something similar to this here in the UK. So what you're doing then is you're financing the purchase of horses. Well, it's uh, a little further than that. The first problem we we realised is that people go through a series of stages in their career as horse owners, and they will come to a point in that career where they need to move from the horse they've got to another more expensive, more powerful, better performing horse which is maybe a better show jumper, a better dressage horse, a better inventor, a better endurance horse, because they simply want to move up the rankings. Mm. Now, this can happen at virtually any time in their horse-owning career, but frequently around about the age of 14, when somebody goes from having their first pony to wanting to get into horses. Mm. And that gives the people a problem, especially the parents, because there is, at this time, a quantum leap in the amount of money that you need in order to buy the horse. In other words, it's ridiculously expensive. Well, yes. I mean, you go from having your first pony, which probably costs about £1,500 or so, to wanting something that can really jump or has got a few dressage points that's now going to cost you nine to £10,000. Mm. And that's a big jump. It's quite likely that the parents could fall £200 a month to save up for it 
That's going to take them three years, by which time their child who wanted it today will be away at university and out of horses. Yes, yeah. How can you make that gap realistically closed? So the idea was to come up with finance. We approached a bank and we approached a number of banks and we finally found one that said, yep, we are happy that we can finance a horse, which is unusual because livestock doesn't normally get uh, something that's going to be financed. And they said, not only will we finance the horse, but we'll find things around it. So one of the big problems that almost everybody who moves from having, let's say, a pony at 13 hands or even a small horse at day 15 two hands into a bigger animal, bigger, more performing horse, let's say 16 two, they find it's nothing like the pony that they had before. Mm. It just doesn't react the same way. They're going to need some coaching if they actually want to realize the potential of the new animal they bought. So not only have you got the cost of the horse, which might be a finance gap between the one you've got and the one you want of at least £5,000, you're going to have to have new tack fight because clearly you want a a saddle that it's the horse and fits you. You're going to have to have at least six months of coaching to ensure that you understand and can get the horse to perform and that you know how to get it to perform. Mm. Then you've got all the other bits and pieces. You may even need some transport. You might have a bit of transport at the moment, but you might not. So if you add all these bits up, you come to a fairly tidy sum. And our finance will actually help you bridge that gap. Yeah, I can't believe it even does the coaching. So if you wanted a new horse box, then you can finance that purchase too. What we do is when you first contact us, we go through all the bits that you might be likely to need. And we can then make a list of all the bits with their likely costs mm. added up. And that can be the amount that you apply for for finance. So is it is it like a personal loan? In some respects, it's like a personal loan, except that you are saying that it's for specific things. You're actually saying what it's for. So it's more like if you were to purchase a car and you get finance on a car. Because that's Very always, like that. yeah, the finance on the car is always specific to the vehicle yeah. that you're buying. So what yeah. happens then, Stan, if something happens to the horse? Because, you know, horse are live animals. What happens if it goes lame, if it's not worth the, the money that you bought on finance? The first thing that we ask you to do is to make sure that there's a number of checks. The first check is that you really must have it five-stage vetting. Mm-hmm. And we expect to see the five-stage vetting. We expect you to say to the vet what's your purpose of buying the horses so that he knows when he does the vet check that he's looking for a horse that can jump a metre two or he's looking for a horse that can do elementary dressage. So he's got to know that. And so we expect the vet check to help that and you to, uh, as a prospective purchaser, to agree that the vet check is saying it's a horse that you want. Mm. Secondly, we expect you to insure it for the value of the horse so that there's something there in case something happens. It, uh, you know, All these things can happen. It dies, you've got the money coming back. You've got various other items which are tack, which you can obviously realize if something happens to the horse. But there will also be an element in there if you decide to add it, which is coaching, which you just can't insure. So that's something you're going to have to say, well, it added to my experience and I've got that as a item that I've got in my got in my skills bag mm, that i find really interesting because you, you are completely right there's so much that goes towards having a horse what about courses if if somebody wanted to go on a course to learn more about looking after their horse is that something you'd finance 
Yes, we would find that, but we would expect basic horse ownership knowledge to be there already. We really wouldn't expect this to be something for the first-time buyer. Right, okay. We'd expect the person to already be able to understand what running a horse costs and actually demonstrate they can, they, can, uh, they can afford that. Yes, because this is a slight worry, is that anybody will then go out and buy a horse because they'll be able to afford it because they can make monthly payments, but they don't actually understand what it takes to have a horse. So the risk element for you guys would be huge on first-time buyers, but also there's a massive risk to the horses out there if inexperienced people are buying them because they can afford them without saving up the money to and knowing what goes into it. Absolutely right, which is why we really are looking for you know, second-time buyers, people who are upgrading. This is why this finance doesn't start down low. We don't expect this to be for any amounts under £5,000. We wouldn't be expecting you to go out and buy your first pony for a couple of hundred quid or £1,000 and put that on finance. That we are not interested in at all. And we can determine this when you first apply to us to see exactly what it is that your experience is. And we'd have some different advice to you, and it certainly wouldn't be to come to us for finance. Mm. There's too much of a welfare issue here. And that's of paramount importance to you, I'm presuming, because Cassie, I know very well, is loves her horses so much. I'm sure that you guys wouldn't want any, you know, you'd want to look after horses too. Well, one of the things that is part of Cassie's business is solving problem horses. And we see an awful lot of horses come here, which we then have to sort out, where the problem is not so much the horse, but the way in which it's been managed uh, by previous or even current owners. Lack of time, lack of money, lack of commitment can actually then move on and make the horse absolutely unusable, which you've then got to correct. Mm. We see those problems. We are constantly battling those problems for people wanting to sell a horse or board a horse that's in that state. So we don't want to be involved in creating that sort of problem. No, that's that's good. That's really good to hear. I guess it, it this would be, you know, you're explaining to me right now as much as you're explaining to, to you listening. I didn't know the depths of, of the finance that you offered. And so while I'm thinking, I'm thinking this could be really good for professionals who I'm hearing a lot when I'm interviewing the, the professional riders. They're saying, you know, it's tough, especially in the eventing industry. There's not that much money behind them. They need to continuously turn around horses. They need to produce them and sell them to get money coming in. They need owners to help finance it because everything's so expensive. So ultimately, they could have three or four horses, which they pay a few hundred pounds a month for each horse. Cash flow wise, it could be much easier for them to have a selection of horses rather than just the few. Oh, absolutely right. And it really is moving into the more sort of almost semi-professional market that we're aiming at. The people who need either to produce horses and then be able to sell them on. It makes it easier for them. They can sell the horse on. Perhaps they can actually realize a slightly higher price than they otherwise could. And for the person who wants to buy that horse, it makes the job easier for them. Mm. So are you offering support packages or is there advice, things that you're offering to help these owners as well to make sure that, that one, they're buying the right horse? You, you mentioned the five-stage vetting because I'm a massive believer in five-stage vettings. I think, you know, pay the money, get it done because it gives you the peace of mind to know that the horse is settled. We won't release the money until we've seen a copy of the five-stage vetting and the prospective purchaser has agreed that that is the five-stage vetting that they want, that the horse has actually come out as they expected. We also want them to do part of the five-stage vetting. We want the microchip in the horse checked. 
we want to see the copy of the passport, we want to check the microchip is in fact that that's in the passport, and we will contact the passport issuing organisation to ensure the horse has not been stolen. That obviously means you've got one of up to, what, 80 different organisations to check against. Mm. So we're really keen that the replacement national equine database comes available as soon as possible. Sorry, Stan, what's what's that? The, the national equine database? Yes. Many years ago, when horse passports first came out, there was a central database funded through central government in which all the issuers of passports, called PIOs, Passport Issuing Organisations, put their data so that you could go to this central database and check out what this horse was. Was it actually really uh, this, this horse? And if somebody had a horse that was stolen, they could mark against that uh, the central database the fact that it had been stolen. So if somebody went to buy it, they could then check and they would see, oh gosh, this is a stolen horse. I mean, even I personally have come across and discovered such a horse. You're um, kidding. Many, yeah, yeah, many years ago as uh, a passport issuing officer, my job was to check and verify that what the vets had done was correct. But as part of that, I also went out and did some actual examinations of horses myself. Mm. And one day I arrived at uh, this yard who we'd been to before, and they just bought their daughter a, a new pony. We scanned it, got a microchip number, and at that point we immediately went on to the National Equine Database and checked it, and it came up as having been stolen. <gasps> so what happened? Well, by five o'clock that evening, the pony was back with its rightful owner. Oh. The dealer who'd sold them the horse had not realised it was stolen, um, so he'd actually refunded them the money. So we had one very happy child that got its horse back and then one rather miserable child who'd lost the horse that it thought it had just bought. The National Equine Database then, sorry, I know we're going off tangent just slightly, but are they automatically added into that or is that something that you as an owner need to do? It's something we will do. The problem is that about three years ago, the central government refused to continue the funding help and the National Equine Database collapsed and is no longer available. So it means if you want to make the check, you have got to go to each or whichever passport issuing organisation issued that particular passport, bearing in mind that legally every single horse in this country must have a horse passport. It's their medical record. That's difficult enough as it is, the passport world, because I remember getting a passport for my horse, Blackjack, and I was really proud that I'd done all my checks, I'd done my due diligence and made sure that he had a five-stage vetting, and I thought I'd done everything correctly. The passport then arrived, and it was a pet plan passport. And I yep. had no idea that there were different types of passports that you could get. I just presumed that was the right one. But actually, it turns out the previous owner didn't know the date of birth of my horse. And so they just sent off a, a generic one, put his birthday as the 1st of January. So to me, that doesn't even seem like a legitimate passport. Unfortunately, it is because not all horses do we know their date of birth. So in competition... All horses are deemed to have a birthday on the 1st of January in the year in which they're born. That allows you to do competitions for two-year-olds, four-year-olds, etc. So as far as the passport is concerned, yes, you can have the exact date if it's known. And if the passport was issued by what's known as a um, stud book, Mm. then almost certainly the exact date the horse was born will be in the passport. But when you get, as you did, a generic passport, which is known as an ID-only passport, in other words, there's no verified breeding details in there, 
then it's, if the, even the year may not be known. And if there is a, a first year, and sometimes your aging will be done simply by looking at the horse's teeth, which mm. gives you a very good idea of how old a horse is. Um, but it's a guess. And almost certainly what you've got is a horse that's um, had his age guessed. Right. So those those are actually legal documents, though, those pet ID passports, even though they're not part of the... They are. There are two types of legal document. One is a stub book, which is issued by an organisation which is authorised by central government under EU ruling, 92353, if you want to know the exact document. <laughs> and there are something like 70 such stub books. Connemara Pony Society, for example, is a, such a stub book. And they are all over Europe. And then there are what are known as ID-only passports. And these were organisations, of which there are about five, that were created by the government in order to be able to get all the horses passported. Because quite simply, the... We've gone right off tangent here, haven't we? <laughs> um, okay. quite, quite, quite simply, when passports were brought in in 2003, the government realised very quickly that the stud books, which were all voluntary associations simply didn't have the resources to create what would be a million plus passports. So they asked and sought professional organisations to come and help. Uh, a number of organisations were authorised. Uh, the British Horse Society was one. Mm. Horse Passport Agency was another. And Pet ID was the third. Uh, there were a couple of others. And they were given authority to create passports, but they would not have the verified breeding details included, which you would get in a stub book. Right. It's a perfectly legal document. It has all, does exactly the same job as a normal medical record type horse passport, mm. but it does not have the breeding verification, and it doesn't mean... I mean, I, I could go around and say, here I have a Colomara, and you could say, yes, I have a Colomara. If you it's a stub book, then you can verify it really is a Colomara, and you've got the bloodlines to change it, yes. to prove it. That could make a difference of a number of thousands of pounds in the price for which you can sell that horse. Mm. So you then go and check the 80-odd databases that there are for the person that wants to purchase the horse to make sure that it's legitimate, that it's not stolen, that it is what the, the seller is saying it is. So in some ways, it's, it's really helpful going through you because you know you're buying a bit more of a secure horse. Absolutely right. Yep. Mm. You don't get that in anything else. You wouldn't get that, for example, in the personal loan because we're actually looking at the particular, the particular animal. So talk me through the process then. Is it, is it an easy one? Is it difficult? It's uh, relatively easy. Um, most of it's done online. Um, first thing we do is we issue the, the buyer or seller with what we call a, uh, a broker agreement, which is the way in which they will operate with us. And obviously we do have a fee for doing this but we don't charge that fee unless you actually take out the loan and we don't take the money until you've actually got the loan. Mm. So unlike a lot of bank loans, etc., where you have to get a pay a fee up front, we don't. We don't take our fee until we know you've actually got the money. So you get a, a broker agreement which says what these things will be. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we also give you a draft horse sales agreement. Now, anybody buying a horse does well to make sure they've got a piece of paper which says what they're expecting. Yes. So we've put all that down in legal terminology, which can be signed both by the seller and the buyer. Today, they, they know what it is that they think they're buying. And that should include any statements by the seller about what they say the horse is capable of doing. So what do you do then if somebody's taken a loan, for example, and they financed a horse and something happens? Well, like, what would happen? Would, would the person still be liable for that money even though the horse, but I guess they would, wouldn't they? Yes, they would. Yeah, it has nothing to do with that. What they would have to do then is they would use those agreements to get their refund or their money back or whatever from the person they bought the horse from. It's a normal legal. But then you would have that with you. How the money they use to make the purchase has no relevance to the actual horse itself in that respect. Yeah. That's a completely separate agreement. But the thing is, we have provided them with a document which helps them should they get to a point where the horse does not live up to or is not fit for purpose, as they say in the legal terms, what they want. And the good thing is, Dan, is that you're really knowledgeable in the buying horse sector. So you can offer advice, you can offer help. If somebody is looking to buy a horse but they're not sure about it, then then I'm guessing you can help too. We wouldn't actually go down the road of actually going to visit with them to the horse. We no. can give them generic help. Yes. And we have a person called Wendy Tucker, who is a BHS coach. So oh. she can provide proper professional assessment of what the person is looking to do. We can't, and we obviously it would be impossible for us to actually provide legally binding advice that this horse is or is not fit for the purpose that the person wants. Mm. But I mean, you know, for example, they could have found a horse, it's from a dealer, but they're a bit worried about something, they just want to check. You can then say, well, this is the agreement that you should have, this is what they should be talking you through. So it's more of advice on the process of buying the horse, I mean. Much more about the process, it's about what questions you should ask. The horse sales agreement that we provide you with has a series of points which you would do well if you don't sign it then we won't give you the finance basically because we're expecting you to ask all these questions once you've answered the questions then that's something for you and the the, the seller to stand by 
but we actually make the point of saying, this is what you should ask. It's amazing how many people go out and buy horses but don't really ask all the real questions. I know, I know. And I just think they don't feel that they can. Sometimes they feel uncomfortable. I always say, take your instructor with you and any time. One of the major problems is, is the emotion. Horses are a very emotional buy. Mm. You fall in love with the horse, so you'll have it regardless of whether it's not suitable or whether it's very <laughs> suitable. You simply fall in love with it. Yeah. What we're trying to do is to put a brain behind the heart and say, actually, the thing you need to actually take notice of is not your heart, but your brain. Yeah, but keep a little bit of heart too. <laughs> well, I think you wouldn't actually be in front of the horse if, if your heart didn't say from the very first, you know, I really like this horse. It's really got a fun face. It really seems to have taken to me. Now can I justify it? Yes, yeah. It's being sensible, isn't it? I don't, I don't think that if you don't actually like the horse, you're going to buy it however suitable it, it might no, be on paper. That's true. That is true. So, Stan, how much does this cost? The rate is very, very small, and it depends on the amount of finance. So we charge around about 1.8% of the amount of finance that you actually take up. Oh my gosh, that's less than, than most. It goes anything from 3 to 6%, isn't it? The average, I think, for insurance. Yes. Not insurance, for loans. We want to make this affordable and we can actually operate on that sort of level. We do not actually ask for any money until you've got the finance, until you've actually got the money in your hand. So how do you, how are you going to make sure that it's not somebody's first horse and that they are experienced with or, or have had a horse before? We can't actually check that. All we can do is ask questions and ensure from the way in which people answer where they're answering in a manner which we would expect. It's amazing how quickly people make mistakes. You know, it's, it's like a riding school, you know, when people come along and say, oh, yes, I'm a very experienced rider, I can really do this. And you put them on a horse and within 10 minutes you can see they really never felt on one. <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. They can say they can canter when they can't rise in trot. <laughs> Absolutely. So it, it's, it's very easy. And we really wouldn't want to turn them down and be nasty about it, but we might actually simply advise them to move in a slightly different direction and that their money, they might be able to spend less money and gain some experience before moving into the horse that they think they might have wanted. You're correct, because the, the other issue is people being overhorsed. So them going out and buying a, a £15,000 horse, they think if they get the horse, they'll be able to compete high level without maybe having the experience necessary to be able to ride a horse like that. So quite, we're seeing more and more people are being overhorsed. I think you're absolutely right. We don't want that, really. No, we don't. And that's one of the reasons why we try to look at what people people's level of experience is so that we can add into the finance agreement a coaching program which will get them uh, able to use the horse that they bought compared with the horse that they're used to. So do you have a list of instructors then that you as a company prefer, your preferred instructors? So is it the BHS instructors? We don't have a list of individual instructors, but we would always tell people to go to the BHS and look on the BHS website and find the appropriate instructor in their area. Yes. And to look at it, they want somebody that's good at show jumping or eventing or dressage or enjoyance and get the instructor that is right for that. But I mean, we can't obviously have a, an, an idea of all the expertise throughout the country. Mm. The best single place for that information is the British Law Society. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's fascinating, Stan. I have to say, I'm going to be 
really honest, I was in two minds when I first heard about horse finance because I thought, is it going to affect the welfare of the horse? And does that mean we're going to have loads of people that can't afford horses going out, horses going out and buying them and not being able to afford the feed and the upkeep and the stabling? Because it's not just purchasing the horse. It's, it's actually the upkeep afterwards. That's the most expensive thing because they're lifelong animals. You know, some of them can live up to 30 years. However... Well, I would say this. I would say this. Very few horses, when you're upgrading, are actually for life. One of the things that we found when we were running, and it's something that we, when we talked to all the other uh, passport issue organizations, realized 6% of all horses change hands every year. Wow. They, do, they, are, they are not like cats and dogs. The majority mm. of horses are not bought for life. Let's take a typical stage as an example. Six years old, you start riding lessons. By the time you're eight years old, your parents think, well, this person, my, my child is really quite interested in horses, so I'll get a horse on loan. So for three days a week, they have a horse at the riding school on loan. So they ride it, let's say, look after it, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Mm. And perhaps even have a lesson with it on, Thursday, on Saturdays. Okay, by the time they're 10, they've said, and parents realize that they really are into horses, and they've got the dedication that they're there with the horse three days a week. Come rain, shine, got a cold or not. Now it's the time to buy their first pony. So you spend £1,200 or so and you buy your first pony, or the parents buy the first pony. By the time they're 14, they've been starting to do a bit of competition. The parents might even have finished up buying a trailer. But at least they are aware that they've got a dedicated horse fanatic on their hands and they're used to the amount of money it costs to run the horse. Mm. By the time you get to about 13 or 14, the child has now got to the point where it wants to move on. Robin is no longer up to the level of competing which your child wants to achieve. So you've got to move up. Now, you're not going to keep the horse you've got because that will now go back to some 10-year-old. Yeah. So what you do is you sell the horse you've got and you buy another one. And it's at that point that we come in. Right. You've got your horse. You don't, you're not going to keep two horses. Well, why would you? You can't ride two horses. Mm. You can only ride one. So the chances are you will sell the old horse. It will go down the line to the next person who has now got to the point of wanting to go from being on loan to buying a horse. So the horse probably changes owners every two or three years. And that will be true all the way up to the horse is about 15, 16, when it will finally... Uh, find an owner who wants to keep it and will then keep it on. <laughs> I'm just a soppy one. You see, I get a horse and it's forever. I couldn't see them. I couldn't see them going to anybody else. But I do understand that a lot of horses are, you know, are, are sold on quite frequently. But as I was saying, I, w I was... Originally, I was in two minds because of the horse welfare, but I love the fact that you're looking after the horse welfare. And, and like you said, you're making sure that the buyers are experienced. They, you've got, you're answering all the right questions. You're asking all the right questions. They're getting the horses checked. And I think for me, just personally, it gives me peace of mind knowing that, you know, Mr. Joe, whatever, down the road isn't going to go and purchase a horse and then the, the horse is something bad's going to happen to him because he can't afford to actually look after it. So it is very much the people that are looking for a career in it, that are really focused on, on riding, that are passionate about it and actually want to go up the ranks, I'm presuming. I'm sure there's 
there's the parents that people use it as a hobby. Yeah, they won't necessarily go all the way up the ranks, but they actually want to move further than the bottom that they are at the moment. Yes. So they might want to move up in the riding club world. They might actually want to go from riding club into being affiliated. They might want to go from being in trailblazers up into being affiliated. Um, the other problem that we see quite a lot of, and we know from the horses who get in here with problem horses, is the fact that people who might have done exceedingly well with a pony, that's in pony club, mm. find that the move to a horse is so enormous that they don't appreciate how different it is. Mm. And they don't actually realise what they thought they could do. They then go back to the person who sold them the horse and say, you sold me a duff horse because it doesn't go as well as my old pony does. When most of the time it's not anything to do with the horse. It's merely the fact that they haven't received the right level of coaching to let them move from being a great pony rider to being a great horse rider. Yes. And one of the things that we want to do here is to enable them to buy that short-term coaching. It might be only six, 12 months even, of very intensive coaching with the new horse so that they understand how different that new animal is from the one they've been riding. Dan, I think that's great. I think it's brilliant. And now I'm envisaging livery yards, riding schools, who have to have a selection of horses that are suitable for most people. You know, they've got to have a good variety. That's mm -hmm. not cheap to be able to purchase good quality horses for riding schools. Is that something that they could talk to you about? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we don't have any... <laughs> you know, they're, they're indeed uh, you know, a bit like the semi-professional or even professional rider who wants to have a string of horses. Having a string of horses, particularly better horses, for the more advanced rider is something that we think is this is an ideal process for. Mm. Well, it's fascinating. Well, a riding school is not easily going to be able to afford ten to twelve thousand pounds to buy a really good schoolmaster. No, you're right. It's hard. But they need them. Yes, they need them. They, they they cannot offer sort of coaching and lessons to people who are, let's say, let, let's say you come back to riding. Now, there's a big thing about coming back to riding with Hoof, which is mm -hmm. a, um, a scheme run by the, the British Equestrian Federation called Hoof, and it's called Take Back the Reins, which is about getting people who were riding when they were young, gone off to university, now got a job, perhaps even had a family, but now want to get back into riding. Mm. Now, these people want, they don't want plods when they go to the riding school to get back into and used to it. They want something that they can quickly get back to the level at which they were riding 10 years ago. So they want better horses in the riding school. They also want to buy, when they get around to actually having their own horse, uh, not a, an ordinary horse. They want something that suits their level of competence. Mm, yes, definitely. But not only that, you know, the riding schools, a lot of them need to make improvements. And that in itself is a, is a difficult industry to be in. You know, you could be really busy with customers all day, every day, but it costs so much for the upkeep and the horses and everything. So I'm guessing you could help if a riding school wanted to finance um, a new riding school or maybe they need to resurface, things like that. And that's an area that we haven't actually thought of and it's possibly uh, at a level of expenditure that would be outside what we currently do. That's the sort of thing I would expect you to go to your bank for because it's uh, got an awful lot of things about it that we're not really into. Yeah. And you're talking a sort of expenditure of maybe £50,000 or more. What's your limit then? We probably would be going up to fifty, but okay. we would expect not much more than twenty five. Simply because of that. Yeah. The number of horses that Well, 
Dan, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much. Congratulations for both you and Cassie, because it's I haven't heard of this in the UK before. So am I right in thinking you're the first to offer horse finance? As far as we are aware, we are. We don't know of anyone else who's doing it or is doing it like this. We really have sort of plagiarised the idea from the States. The idea of adding things in, like coaching, was something which we came up with ourselves. We hadn't even heard of that in the States. I <laughs> so, think it's brilliant. I really like that coaching angle. We are, we are, we are waiting to see just how well it takes off, because literally this is really the beginnings of our, uh, of our launching this product. Well, I wish you all the success. Please keep us informed with, um, with how it's going. Well, we, we hope to. We, um, there is a big hoof weekend all over the country. Yes. And we will be doing a demonstration of how to actually go and do your first visit when you're going to buy a horse. What are the points to do? Oh, brilliant. So, uh, which we'll be doing at uh, Old Bexley Equestrian Centre in uh, Old Bexley on the edge of London. We'll be showing you, we've got one of our stallions down there, we'll be saying, well, okay, if you've gone to visit a horse that you're thinking about buying, how do you approach that horse first off? We'll be giving you some tips of how to do that. Little, little little tricks of the trade that will help you enormously. And we'll be actually really launching into the uh, into the marketplace equine finance. Well, good luck, Stan. It's Hamilton Stud Finance. We can find you on Facebook and we can find you on Twitter as well, can't we? What, do you have a website? Yes. Well, um, I'm going to hand you back now just to, to, to sign off with Cassie. Hi there, Amy. Cassie, <laughs> that's so exciting. Gosh, Dan knows his stuff, doesn't he? He does, yes. Yes, he, he's very, very, very knowledgeable, which makes me sort of, you know, really happy that he's joined me. <laughs> oh, bless you. So, Cassie, what's the website for Hamilton Stud Finance? Yep, it's www.hamiltonstudfinance.com. It's an uh, addition to the Rocky Mountain Horse uh, UK site. Um, which has all the details of Rocky Mountain horses. Oh, yeah, because I didn't explain that you are the UK breeder for Rocky Mountain horses, which is how yeah. you got into the buying and launching the finance business. So your businesses are all connected together and you also teach round penning as well and you look after or you, you help, rather, horses that have behavioural issues. So it's not just that yeah. you've just come in from nowhere and said, right, I'm going to provide finance. You are all about looking after the horse and teaching people yeah. and, and you've been a big part of the industry and you breed so if anything you you really know about buying horses <laughs> buying and selling horses well cassie i really wish you the best of luck thank you for coming on to the horse hour podcast and we'll speak to you soon excellent thank you amy bye bye amy bye. thank you Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can hear previous episodes of Horse Hour if you head over to our website, horsehour.co.uk. And right now you can hear an episode with Sam Griffith. Straight when he came back from Rio, he catches up with me and his head groom, Imogen Mercer. It was really interesting to hear their perspective of flying out there, how they got the horses out there and the responsibilities that Imogen has as a head groom. I hope you have a good week and I'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to Horse Hour. Join the community on Twitter, Mondays, 8pm UK time, 3pm Eastern by using the hashtag HorseHour. Follow Amy at AmyStevenson1 and subscribe to us on Acast, iTunes, Stitcher and Player FM. Hold up. 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.